1: we're opening our bibles tonight beloved saints to the book of numbers and as you know we have been uh we have been speaking to you about the glory of god and we have coming up now in uh we have coming up yes praise god um we have coming up very near in the future And Elul is actually next week. And so, beloved saints, Elul next week. Oh, my. We have to be ready because it's the month before Rosh Hashanah. It's the month we get everything together. Actually, Elul is the time coming up next Saturday is the time that we actually make an investment in soul assessment. Can you say that with me? Making an investment in soul assessment. That means we want to make our hearts so right with God. We don't want to miss our miraculous moment with destiny coming up for Rosh Hashanah. This is a time to take inventory. This is a time to take an assessment of our attitudes and anything that can block our destinies. So tonight, beloved saints, first of all, we're looking at Numbers chapter 1, and we're opening to Numbers because we have been speaking to you about bringing heaven down to earth. And how heaven comes down to earth. And we have shared with you for the past few weeks, the holy fire, how the fire brings the heaven, brings heaven down to earth. How is the glory of God miraculously manifested? And so beloved saints, we are seeing. Here, in God's word, hallelujah, the miraculous manifestation of God's glory. Let's go just for a moment to Numbers 9 before we look at Numbers 1. And we see the prophetic agenda of Moses, and that prophetic agenda is the glory coming and the glory remaining because the whole book of Numbers is about constraining the presence of God. And the book of Numbers teaches us, in the first portion the prophetic agenda set with me the prophetic agenda we don't want to study the bible like a library book we want to study the word of god and receive a personal powerful prophetic message for our lives and the prophetic agenda of the book of Mo- of the book of numbers is that moses teaches us how what constrains the glory and what restrains the glory. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the glory of God constrained, don't you? Things that constrain the glory of God and things that, hallelujah, that constrain the glory of God and that which, beloved saints, also how we maintain the glory of God, how we, how the glory of God is maintained in our lives. We don't want to grieve God. We want the glory miraculously manifested in our lives. We want to see the work of God miraculously manifested. And so Moses does this incredibly. What Moses does is that first of all, Moses is going to isolate for us a tribe that has been separated and consecrated, and it is through this tribe that heaven comes down to earth. It is through this tribe that God uses this tribe as an example, as a living sacrifice to miraculously manifest the presence of God, to bring the presence of God down to earth, but he also shows us certain behaviors that are incompatible with the glory of God. There are certain behaviors that we are going to see in the wilderness that Moses is going to accentuate, and we are going to see that those very behaviors cause the glory to lift off the tabernacle. I don't know about you, but I don't want those types of behaviors in my life for the glory to lift off the tabernacle. Amen? And so we see that through the lives of the Levites, the glory is brought down. They constrain the glory of God. But through the inconsistencies in certain behaviors, the glory lives, And we see that behavior actually proliferating in the wilderness. We see that it happens not once, not twice, but several different times through several different individuals. So first of all, let us look at the glory cloud itself. Verse 15. We've already studied this, but I want us to look at it because this is the objective of Moses. On the day that the tabernacle was mer- weared up, namely... Um, the Bible says, covered the, the glory, the cloud, covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And it was at evening that there was upon the tabernacle as if it were the appearance of fire till morning. Last week, we discovered and we shared in the word of God that this phrase, the appearance of fire until morning, was also seen in the evening sacrifice that this was the very same words that were used that it should bor- burn all night until morning so that we understand that that there is a a deliberate unity between the cloud appearing as fire by night and the fire that was burning on the altar until the morning because the the uh, text is teaching us this perpetual sacrifice, this burning, and the emphasis is the burning. The burning, when you read the text on the burning, the burning is actually um, not so much the consuming of it as it is the raising of the flames of it, because the flames represent going up, The flames represent ascending. The flames represent um, going up to the next level. And we see this consistent all throughout the book of Numbers, as we shared with you, um, the, the names of the parshas. For example, we saw in unit number number two, after we've already seen um, the first part of the book of Numbers in the counting, unit number two is parsha naso, which means to lift up. And then we see in the third unit, which is Parsha, which is Parsha um, bishalateka, and this one means to um, to go up to the next level, to step up. So everything is about going up. Everything is about going up. why? Because when we go up, This is when God's presence comes down. And so we are seeing this whole concept. So let us look. And let us see. Verse 16. So it was always that the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of of fire by night. And it was that when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the children of Israel journeyed. This is very important for us to note because they didn't journey. They did not journey at their whim. They did not journey when they felt like it. They did not even journey with Moses speaking it, that they journeyed when God spoke it. And Moses is writing this in such a way that the children of Israel actually interpreted that the cloud, that the cloud when it moved was God's voice. So in other words, They considered the cloud moving and the cloud staying, that when the cloud stayed, they stayed. When the cloud journeyed, they journeyed. And whether it was a month or a year, or even if the cloud only stayed in a place for two days, even after they packed up everything, set it up, and then within hours they have to move, they considered it the voice of God. And this is a teaching to you and I, that we must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. We have to learn how to become so spiritually sensitive that we don't miss God, that we actually know that the Holy Spirit leading us is the voice of God to us. And we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to follow what he wants us to do. So it's not Mind. It's not what we want. It's not what we think, but it's what the Holy Ghost leads. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. And so we see this in the leading with the children of Israel and the pitching in their tents. And the text goes over this in documented detail. All right. So now let us go just for a moment. And we are going to look at character traits because that's what the month of Elul is all about. Let us go for a moment to the book of Numbers, and we are going to see Numbers chapter 12. And we're going to see character traits, incompatible character traits with the glory of God, all right, because why? We want the glory to stay with us, don't we? We don't want to get out of God's will. How many of you want everything God's got for you next year? How many of you want when Rosh Hashanah happens for you to be shifted into a whole new level? How many of you, when the biblical feast comes, say, God, I want to be such a different person. God, I want every door of destiny. I don't want to go around the same mountain I've been going around for 20 years. I want a breakthrough, and I want my children to have a breakthrough. Amen? All right. So we want these breakthroughs. So let's look and see what the text is teaching us about behavior that's incompatible with the glory of God and actually causes the glory to let. Numbers chapter 12 verse 1 says, And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Why does the text need to tell us twice? All right. Um, First of all, uh, this woman that he married, actually it has nothing to do with her ethnicity at all. It has to do with Moses living in another tent. He didn't live with her. He lived in another tent because of his life with God. And so that's what the rabbis tell us. So um, because of this, notice what's going to happen. Verse 2. It says, they said, this is very important for us to know. This is not written just so we know it happened. This is written for our instruction. Because the Bible doesn't tell us, the Bible teaches us. The Bible says here, has the Lord only spoken by Moses? Hasn't he spoken by us also? And the Lord heard it. Hmm. Notice that it's not just the Lord hearing about the Ethiopian woman because that really was not. The issue was they're judging him, feeling that he is lording himself above who they are by not being in that tent. All right, And so that he has made himself more important than they are. But he is the leader. And notice that they have put themselves on Moses' level. Do you see that? And so it qualifies them somehow to be able to criticize when a person puts a, a leader themselves on the level of the leader they begin to criticize the leader. That is the sign they put themselves on the level of the leader. And that's what the text is teaching us. Do you see that? Has the Lord only spoken by Moses? Hasn't he spoken by us also? She's a prophetess and it? it is really true. She is. And Aaron was a prophet as well because he wore the breastplate. He was able to discern through the Urim Thummim uh, all the prophetic words that God was giving to Israel for, for Israel's future. So now... Has the Lord spoken only by Moses? Hasn't he spoken by us also? And the Lord heard it. Now watch. Verse 3, the Bible is going to give us in the resume of Moses the character trait that qualified him for his position. Notice what verse 3 says. The man Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Do you realize that? Do you realize that he did not use his position to become great in the eyes of the people? He didn't use any of his position to meet any emotional needs that were not met. Sometimes individuals have needs within their own ego and and their ego, there's a difference between um, fulfillment within yourself and And self fulfillment and ego. Ego um, is a very warped way of meeting self fulfillment. And so, oftentimes, when we walk, of course, when we walk in the ways of God, everything, there will always be self fulfillment. But in this case, they're judging Moses. And the Bible says, the man, Moses, was very meek above all the people on the face of the earth. This is the Bible qualifying Moses for his leadership position. Remember, there are character traits God uses and? Character character
2: traits
1: God refuses. Character traits God refuses. Say it again. Character traits God uses. Character
2: Character traits God refuses.
1: And character traits? Okay, This is one of the character traits God chooses. The man Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Character traits God refuses, look at Miriam and Aaron right now, how they're behaving. All right. And the Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and unto Aaron and and unto Miriam. And said, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream but it shall not be so it says but my servant is not Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house so we already straightened that problem out they were trying to say he's not faithful who's faithful in all my house with him I will speak mouth to mouth even apparently so this is why he is living the way he is living Um, he, He will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord will he behold. Why were you then not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? It wasn't that you're afraid of Moses. It's that you don't want to sin against God. Hello, somebody. I said That the fear of God is not because you fear a person. But the fear of God is that you don't want to sin against God. And one of the reasons we don't see wonders in the church is because wonders produce the fear of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that fear came upon them all. Are you with me? I don't know if we're able to handle that type of fear, but I want you to understand it's not fear that's an anxiety. It's not the kind of fear that you need to get delivered of. It is the kind of fear that is a ty- it's an attribute of the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that the Messiah, let's go for a moment to the book of Isaiah, the 11th chapter, and I want you to see Isaiah 11 with the seven attributes of the Spirit of God that are revealed in the book of Isaiah. The seven attributes of the Spirit of God, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Uh, out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him with the spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit of counsel, and might. Watch this. The spirit of knowledge and what? Fear Fear of the Lord. This is called Yira. Yira. Say it with me. Yira. Yira. Yira is fear of the Lord. You know, so often we say that word Jehovah-Jireh. It's really Yira. It's really Yira. Okay, and Yira really means the fear of God. God. And so, of course, we know God is provider, for the Lord is provided, but we have our own little way, and that's beautiful, and that's wonderful. But Yira is an attribute of fear of God. It means we don't want to sin against God. It means I don't want to grieve God. I don't want to lose the anointing. I don't want to lose what God's given to me. I want to protect it. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. Going back to the text in Numbers chapter 12. And in Numbers chapter 12, we continue to see. And the Bible says, going back to verse 10, the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And what happens? Let's all read it together. One, two, three, go. The the
2: tabernacle. Okay, the
1: cloud what?
2: Departed, departed from off the tabernacle. Why
1: did the cloud depart off the tabernacle? The cloud departed off the tabernacle because the glory of God cannot coexist with evil speaking and with That kind of pride and that kind of lack of fear of God, it cannot. So you see, the fear of God constrains the power of God. The fear of God brings the glory down. The fear of God fills the atmosphere. But no fear of God and that frivolous behavior, but that character trait actually caused the glory to depart. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. This is all part of the prophetic agenda of Moses. Okay, so we want to see, did God just strike her with leprosy, saying, I just, I'm so angry at you. Boom, you're a leper. Is that what happened? No, it is not. Okay, I'm going to explain to you a little secret in the scriptures, okay, because the glory was so strong in the desert. This is how the children of Israel actually survived for 40 years, was through the glory of God. The glory brought down their food. The glory brought down the presence of God, the communion with God, the fellowship with God. They went after the way they sought after God in the wilderness. It was, the Lord said through Jeremiah, I remember in the days of your youth, when you went after me, in a land that was unsown. I remember your love that you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was unsown. So they sought after God. Their shoes didn't wear thin for 40 years. And for all of those years, those years of being in the wilderness, God provided water out of the rock, God provided manna from heaven. He even provided quail at night when they complained and wanted the flesh. He provided everything that they needed. And though they it was their choice not to go up into the promised land. So God provided plan B. Do you all see that? And plan B with the glory of God in the wilderness is the whole reason, the glory is the whole reason they were delivered. Because you see, individuals that have been through bondage, individuals that have been under the yoke, individuals that have a lot of, of uh, what, what we might call dysfunctional behavior in the families and dysfunctional relationships need the glory. The glory to break the yokes, the glory to heal them, the glory to deliver them, the glory to set them in their place, the glory to put them in the path, the glory to set them in their destiny. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Because it is those that have been through that type of rejection that God has placed a supernatural election. And the only way to get to that election is through the presence of God. Are you with me if you are? Say amen. Okay, so what is this concept? And most of you already know it. But what is this concept? Leprous as white as snow. Go with me to Leviticus, please. Leviticus, the 13th chapter. I want you to see in Leviticus that this is, there are many words in Hebrew that are non-translatable in English. And so the writers don't know how to translate it because there's no way, because there are concepts in Hebrew. This is a word called zara'at. Mm-hmm. Can you say that with me, zara'at? Zara'at. Zara'at is not Hansen's disease. Okay, Hansen's disease is... Where you will find, if you go to the third world, been there many times with Hansen's disease patients. I went to uh, India once, um, to one of the leper cities there out out of Calcutta called Titagar, and uh, was there and brought some people with me to Titagar. And in Titagar, they have lepers that um, take buses for uh, for weeks and days. They they travel from all over India because they know they will not be rejected if they go there. And they're welcomed in. They get rehabilitated. They make clothes with their leper feet with the weaving looms. They make uh, prosthetic limbs for those who lose limbs. There's various different types and strands of Hansen's disease. Some Hansen's disease patients are tuberculin in nature. Other Hansen's disease, it's a, a different type, different strand. The one that Rosalie had was the worst. It was the worst strand of Hansen's disease. And, and some for some patients, their little hands fall off. Their little knuckles fall off or their feet fall off or their noses get affected. Others, there's just like uh, their faces get affected. For Rosalie, she didn't have the problem with the um, hands or the feet. She had the worst kind, but it was the type on the face and all over the body. And so, um, it uh, you know, Hansen's disease is a very it's a very um, big problem in the third world there are cures today but some countries don't are still so poor they don't have the finances for all of the medication that's necessary for hansen's disease patients so did god strike miriam and make her a hansen's disease patient say so you are just you just sinned and boom that's it for the rest of your life you little rascal is that what god did What kind of a God would that be? He did not. This is called Zara'at. Zara'at was a miraculous appearing, miraculously, by the glory that they were dwelling in, as an effect that the glory cannot coexist with certain behaviors. And so what would happen with zara'at is that when a person's heart was contaminated, the contamination was inward. And outward, what would appear, would just be a little rising like this on the flesh of the skin, like a little something. It wasn't like all over. Just a little rising. And the only one who could tell if it was really a zara'at or not would be an anointed Kohen, a priest. They'd have to look at it, and they had discernment from the Holy Spirit to know this is zeraat. And when it was Zara'at, then a person would be shut up for seven days, deal with their issues, and as soon as they repented, everything came out. So everything would be outward that was inward, And it would be another seven days for the outward to be cleansed. And the sign that they're cleansed is when it comes out. So in Hansen's disease, the sign you're infected is that your body breaks out. But it's just the opposite for Zara'at. For Zara'at, you're cleansed when it all comes out. I'm going somewhere with this. Hello. How many of us need some stuff to come out? During this time of Elul, we need some stuff to come out of our heart that we've had in there that could block our future. Are you with me? If you are, say amen let me just explain it to you um looking here it says go ahead and and look at it go ahead and read that for us Chris is there a mic there or someone who has the mic we just give it when there when a man shall have in the skin of his flesh go ahead oh go ahead Reb uh, Reb Denise she's got the mic okay go ahead
2: when a man shall have in his in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague is in sight, Deeper than the skin of his flesh. It is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean.
1: Okay, now look when he's clean. Look what happens when he's clean. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. This is what happens when they're clean. Go ahead and read it.
2: And if a leprosy break out abroad in the skin,
1: that means when it comes out. Everybody sees it. Go ahead.
2: And the leprosy covered all the skin of him that hath the plague from his head even to his foot, wheresoever the priest looketh. Then the priest shall consider, and behold, if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean, and have the the plague, it is all turned white, he is clean.
1: See that? See that? When it comes out, he's clean. And it turns white. It's no longer red. Do you see that? Okay, so... Immediately, what what happened to Miriam? She became a leper as white as snow. So that means she immediately repented. She immediately took ownership. She She didn't have to be talked into it. Boy, that's not fun when God has to talk us into facing our issues, isn't it? Because you know how he talks us into it? He'll put us through some things. Hello, hello, I said, I don't want to be talked into it. I'd rather face it right now. I don't really want to go around the same mountain and have to be talked into it by God. I'd rather just have the Lord show me my heart and take ownership for behavior. Because to me, I don't have time to go around this mountain another 20 years. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Amen.
2: Hallelujah.
1: All right. Now, beloved saints, coming up this, this Saturday, next Saturday, not this Saturday, is Elo. And during the month of Elo, what happens is that there is inventory, and it's called Heshbon. Can you say it with me? Heshbon, heshbon Hanefesh, inventory in the soul. That means we're going to make soul assessment. Let me share with you from Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's go there, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 2, we're going to meet a king by the name of Sihon, king of Heshbon. Hello, I said Heshbon. What's the name of soul assessment? Heshbon Hanefesh. And we're going to see... That in Deuteronomy chapter 2, look at it, verse 1. The Bible says, We took our journey by the wilderness, by the way of the Red Sea. This is the end, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You've gone around this mountain long enough. How many of you say, You know what? I'm tired. I don't want to go around this mountain again. I'd rather get on to my destiny. I need to get on to the promised land. I don't want to go around in the circle. We've been this way before. I'll never forget when I was young, you know, my grandmother, her name is Julie. She was just so precious. I only had her for a few years. She was my mother's mother. But um, we have a little thing in my mother's side of the family that um, they're kind of clueless. And, and um, it's really funny. And we were going to be, um, her sister, we were with her sister, and we were going up the mountain up to Lake Arrowhead or something, and it said Falling Rock. And uh, we go up a few more miles, and she said, Oh, we're in Falling Rock again. <laughs> okay. don't want to go around the same mountain, do we? Of course, we weren't in Falling Rock again. It just was the sign. But just to emphasize, we don't want to go around here again. Let's look at verse 14 of Deuteronomy chapter 2. Notice what the text is teaching us. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14 says, and the space which you came from Kadesh Barnea, Until you were come over the brook, Zered, was what? 38 years. 38 years years until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from among the host um, as the Lord swore to them. 38 years in the same place. Some of us have been 38 years. You know who else was 38 years? The Bible tells us when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, there was a man who couldn't walk. Who was who was uh, there at the pool of Bethesda? He'd been in that condition thirty-eight years, but he never rose up and walked. God wants us to be able to rise up and get to the next level. Rising up isn't just about getting up. Rising up is going up. Hello, I said God wants us to go up. God wants us to go to the next level. God wants us to break out of the bondage. All right, so if you study Deuteronomy chapter 2, you will see that there are certain battles that are banned. Uh, If you notice the text, which we will not look at, God says to the children of Israel that there are battles that he is not going to allow them to enter into. And some of us, whether we realize it or not, these battles represent entering into these battles because of emotions. There are certain battles that play with our emotions and thoughts. Are you with me? Look at the first band battle just really quickly, because we are going into, we are going into our destinies, aren't we? Yeah. How many of you are getting ready and you want the glory to come upon your lives, Hallelujah. The Bible tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter two, the Bible says, if you look at verse four and look at verse five really quick, the Bible says in verse four, the Bible says, And command the people, saying, You are to pass this day through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they will be afraid of you, but take good heed to yourselves. And you know what that word means, take good heed? It means to guard yourself, watch yourself, take good heed. Why would God say to take good heed when you're passing through Mount Seir, where Esau is? Because Esau was Jacob's twin. And Esau was always um, at bitter against Jacob. And so God is saying, you're walking through a territory that you know could easily cause your flesh to sin. And the Lord says here, do not meddle with them, for I will not give you their land. God does not want us to go into a battle that you're not going to take territory. And he doesn't want you to go into a battle that has not been designed for you to get land out of it, for you to take territory out of it. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. There are some battles that God has banned out of our life. And the Esau like battles are battles where we have to prove ourselves. The Esau like battles are when we have to have the last word, or when we've got to prove that that we are right. Are you with me? Or we have to prove something to somebody that we're okay. And so we spend our time on emotions and on relationships that God isn't really ordering. And we spend our time um, indebted to certain things because of our broken emotions and because of our character. So therefore, we're going to stay stuck in this land for another 20 years. God says don't meddle with them. Just walk through it. Hello. God says, I'm not going to give you their land. No, not even a foot breath. Hallelujah. So don't try to prove yourself and don't try to get yourself some kind of, um, of, of self-acceptance through what you're doing with Esau. Notice, and the Bible tells us in verse 9, If you look at verse 9, the Bible says, you're not going to distress the Moabites. Don't contend with them in battle. Who are the Moabites? The Moabites are the children of Lot. Notice what it says. Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give you their land. God keeps saying, I don't want you in a battle where you're not going to take territory. It's not going to do anything for your destiny to prove yourself right not going to do anything for your destiny to try to show somebody you arrived. It's not going to do anything for your destiny for people to see that you're okay. Who cares? Hello? I said, who cares? What is going to do for your destiny is there is another battle you have to fight. The battle that's going to give you territory and the battle that's going to take you into the promised land. This consistency, the Moabites, who are they? Okay. The children of Esau, are those people in your own family that you feel you have to prove yourself to. Family strife. Family strife. Unbelievers in the family that don't know the Lord and some that do know the Lord, that they're not on your level. They're not as committed as you are, so you have to just, just bear with it. Just walk through it. Don't try to spend your life trying to convince somebody that's never going to understand it and they're never going to do it. They're never going to accept it. Hello, somebody.
2: Yes.
1: And the Moabites, who are they? The children of Lot. They are the ones in the strife. They are the ones who strove. The herdsmen of Lot strove with the herdsmen of Abraham. The Lord says, do what Abraham did, child. Just get out of that situation as fast as you can. He said, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He didn't even tell him where to go. He didn't say, you go out there. I am your uncle. I gave you all that money. You are the one who became rich because of me. But he didn't do that. He just said, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. There will be no strife between us. Do you understand? And though they separated when Lot got himself in trouble and was kidnapped, by the kings of Canaan, what happened? Abraham went and rescued him. And the Bible says, Lot his brother. Because why does the Torah say Lot his brother? Because he loved him like, still like a brother, though he separated from him. Are you with me? Yes. So what battles is God going to allow? See, these are banned battles. See, some of us have been wrangled in the wrong war, and that's why we're not getting anywhere. Some of us have been spending our time, spending our effort, spending our our strength on battles that God has banned. But what is the battle that God is calling us unto? Where is the battle that we're going to really get ahead in our destiny? Look at this. Look what the Bible says. Go with me to Deuteronomy 2. Continue. Continue. And read verse 24. Rise and take your journey. Verse 24. The Bible says, Rise and take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. For behold, I have given into your hand Sihon, the king of the Amorites. King of what? Heshbon. Heshbon. Same word for soul assessment. King of Heshbon. What is it in Hebrew when you take assessment of your soul? Heshbon hanefesh. Nefesh. Same word. Say it with me. King of Heshbon. King of Heshbon. Heshbon hanefesh. Heshbon. Do you know Sihon was a giant? So God is saying, "You want territory? Then I'll show you how to get territory." Face the giant of your pride. Face the giant of whatever it is in your life that's blocking your destiny. Face the giant of unchristlike behavior in some area. Face the giant of gossip. Face the giant of critical thinking. Face the giant of complaining. Hello, somebody. I'm not getting a whole lot of witnesses here. Bring that giant down. That's the battle God wants us in. God is saying, I want you in the battle to correct your character. I want you in the battle to be humble. I want you in the battle to not always have to be right. I want you in the battle to walk in love. I want you in the battle to put to death the old man. Are you with me? That's a giant. Look what the Lord says here. Arise. And I've given it into your hands. See, he's because of grace. If I face it, sit with me, because of grace, this Elol, if I fight with the King of Heshbon, every area in my life that tries to rule where Jesus should rule. Every area of my life that I haven't given to Christ yet. We can go to church, we can speak in tongues, but we still got our agenda. Every area of our life that is not 100% sold out to Jesus. Hello, somebody. The Bible says, I have put, the Bible says, take your journey, I have given... Into your hands, Sihon, the king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. And the Lord says, I've given you his land. Begin to possess it. Oh, my. And contend with him in battle. You know why? Sihon and Og, they were, they were blockers. When the children of Israel were ready to go in and possess the land of promise, they blocked the land. They had to go into battle with them. Say this with me, everything that's blocking my passageway, to the promise that God has for me, I'm going to get rid of it because I'm going on to my destiny. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah, shall we shout the victory? Yeah. Hallelujah, shall we shout the glory?
0: Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com, where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church, and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED to 7797. That's HESED to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.